Can you believe somebody wrote an article? That was really Inspired fucking cool. I gotta be by real. An episode of our podcast. That was really cool. I was like, friends. That's oh my cool. god! Did I tell you guys cool. that I was out with two of my friends, and they were like, "We love your podcast. You're our favorite character, though." And I was like, "We are Thank characters. You. We are characters." But I like I love the their... way they said it because I was like, "Did you so... ask their interpretation of who what the characters were?" I just it was the, the I was so thrown off. I didn't say I just said thank you, and then was like. <sighs> the fuck can you I, like, please follow up with it. them because i want to know what character i am <laughs> in their perception of our trio. it's clear which character Corey is that's very clear from the very beginning but you and i i'm not sure No clear answers, where we explore the common challenges all humans, creators, and leaders face, and break down preconceived notions of common self-help ideas. We are your hosts. I'm Ricky Goldenberg. I'm Justin Mulvaney. And I'm Corey Wilkes. That's us! (laughs) What are we talking about today? Perfectionism. Perfectionism. This is a topic... Full disclosure, I'm stoked to talk about this one because I feel like perfectionism, very hot. People talk about it a lot. I think also, I don't know if you, if the two of you run into this, but being a lady and being a Virgo, perfectionism is one of those things that like comes up all the time in terms of, oh, you're a perfectionist. Oh, this person has perfectionist tendencies. And I work with a lot of people that it comes up and everyone's in a while I'm like, oh, I should be doing more around perfectionism. So I'm excited to talk about this. I'm excited for Corey to call bullshit on it, which I'm sure he will in some capacity. And I'm excited to talk about strategies around it. Are you all ready to talk about perfectionism? I was sure. born ready. But are you going to do it perfectly? If I do it, by definition, it is done perfectly. So, Yes. If only we all entered. Well, that's the reality of perfectionism, which is some of us do achieve perfection and others of us, it evades us forever. And so if you struggle with perfectionism, I'm so sorry. The rest of us simply achieve perfection effortlessly. Correct. Yeah. Just just accept your imperfection while we accept our perfection. You know, basically some of us got it. Some of us don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's what and, we gotta say about it. Uh, you know, this is my two-page what... ebook on perfection. If you're reading this, you're not perfect. You're giving away the merch ideas, man. Sorry, so sorry. <laughs> Do we have merch ideas? Okay, friends. Okay, let's talk about it. So here's where I wanted to start the conversation. That's pretty normal, but can we? I think it makes sense. I have some definitions around perfectionism. I would instead like to just imperfectly have us each talk about when we think about perfectionism what do we think about thoughts feelings totally um yeah perfectionism there's a whole nuanced conversation i want to talk about around where this comes from um but when i hear perfectionism used normally we're talking about 
a kind of striving desire to get it right, desire to hit a quality bar where it be- starts to become, I'd use the term maladaptive, right? Where this desire to hit some arbitrary benchmark of goodness or perfection starts to have some serious costs. And those costs might be uh, an inability to actually ship or perform or uh, send out something that you're creating or working on. Uh, I, I think with leaders, it can manifest in a way where you you can really disempower and push your team towards some arbitrary measure of perfection that's not understood and just drive and push really hard. Um, but really perfectionism is striving for some benchmark of perfection or goodness that is usually unattainable um, to attempt to get something that's also probably unattainable in such a way where it actually hampers effectiveness and the ability to achieve your desired outcome. So perfection is unattainable, right? Nothing in life is perfect. So perfectionism is expecting yourself to attain the unattainable. That's why you're fucked right out the gate with perfectionism, because you are always going to strive to achieve something that by definition, you cannot ever achieve. That's my definition. Merriam Webster, watch out. We're coming for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that ultimately when we talk about perfectionism and, and, and Corey, you said, you said this well, it's unattainable, right? Perfection is unattainable. There's a, there's an expectation and understanding of that. Justin, I think you also were highlighting sort of like the philosophical nature of it as well. Like when I think about perfectionism, it's sort of holding a doctrine that that kind of perfection is available and we just need to achieve it. Um, and so my, my follow-up question, which is for both of you, cause I'm not going to wax poetical, which is not a word, but I love saying it really pisses off my bow, but I want to know, why do you think it's so hot right now? And when you say hot right now, you mean why are we all talking it's about like it so much? It's a hot topic. Yeah. I feel like it's left and right all over the place, especially because I don't know when we're releasing this, but we're recording this in September, which has very like fall vibes. It's very like we're going back to school. There's a whole like, let's get stuff done. You know, it shows up a lot in the beginning of the year for New Year's resolutions. I just... Mm. I don't know why is this is the, do you have a feeling on why this is like a hot topic why this comes up a lot or doesn't for you I don't think it's a hot topic so much as and for the record perfectionism is bullshit just so I can put that on the record Corey. I don't think it is a hot topic so much as an evergreen eternal topic like humans just existentially a lot of times struggle with perfectionism because damn near everyone I've, I've ever met or heard about <clears throat> recognizes that they have unrecognized, untapped potential. So knowing that there is a gap between your current self and your ideal self, I think fuels a lot of perfectionism for people because they want like it's it's well intentioned of i know i'm capable of more i know i'm capable of of you know doing better things better work more work whatever however you define work so that translates into perfectionism so the intent is 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 good is adaptive 
but the actual behavior becomes maladaptive because you're constantly striving for it, but your true, like 100% fully realized potential isn't really possible because as soon as you, you reach what you formerly considered your potential, you then realize you're capable of even more. And that goalpost is forever, you know, six feet in front of you. And that is part of why perfectionism is an evergreen eternal topic because we all feel <clears throat> like we're capable of more and that we're not currently doing enough to achieve it. And we think that perfectionism neurotically focusing on, on all the little things will somehow help us get there and bridge that gap. And it just never does. Yeah, Corey, I, the, the point that it's evergreen is 100% what I think. Like when you asked the question, Rick, I was like, right now it's hot. I, I, I can't think of a time when it hasn't been hot, at least since I've started delving into these topics. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of a single ambitious person. Hell, I, I don't even know that you need ambitious as a qualifier. I don't know a single person who doesn't struggle with perfectionism from time to time. Right. So some people suffer from it more chronically. It is something that is there with them every day. But I don't know anybody ambitious, high performing who doesn't at least occasionally suffer from a bout of perfectionism. It seems to come hand in hand with wanting, with striving, with desiring something that we get attached to some ideal in our head. And there's a number of reasons why we might do that. It's very effective motivator. Um, a lot of us, we can tie our worth to it, and then we get caught up in perfectionism at the expense of actually being in service or putting something out there or taking steps forward. I think another huge reason for it, and this is a little bit counter to the perfectionist bullshit narrative, is that at least in the school system that I grew up in, perfection was not bullshit. Now, it was arbitrary, right? It was, a, it was an arbitrary measuring stick that was socialized that somebody constructed for me. But at the school system, I went in, I got scored from zero to 100. And 100 was perfect. And I got applauded and rewarded and told great things when I got close to 100. And I got kind of told off or punished or asked what the hell happened when I was far away from 100. And I think... It, not only the intelligence, the, the present intelligence of perfectionism, which is I'm striving to be better at the thing that I want to do. I also think there's an, a historical intelligence, which was when a lot of us were young, we got rewarded for getting close to an arbitrary measure of perfection. And then what happened, I know I did this, a lot of people do this, is we then tied ourselves worth to achieving that perfection. But then we get out into the real world and that's not how the world works anymore. But the habit, the behavioral, the psychological, the habit of mind is still there. And so while perfection is bullshit, there was a point in life where for a lot of us it wasn't. And it's a, it's a big shift to get out of that mental cognitive habit. I'm so curious, Justin, because I think that we had similar situations that we were growing up in. And so I think we've talked a little bit about this in terms of um, – growth and, and things like that. But I'm also curious if where you were those tests and those scoring, if this, if this resonates that for me, it was rote memorization and regurgitation of facts. Like I rarely, when I was younger and we were going through per, these perfectionism tendencies, it was because you could get a hundred, 
And it was based on, could you memorize and sort of regurgitate information without necessarily demonstrating learning? And of course, there was some element of learning, but I think that recognizing that it was like, oh, I'm just looking for the right answer is very different. You know, it was like um, in mathematics, show your work, right? They say, show your work. They want you to show your work so you can kind of show. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they were like, we're still just looking for the answer. And it has to match this. Yeah. I. It wasn't always rote memorization, but it was the last point you said, which was, I even remember playing this game from in college. Because in college, you kind of get out of that. But it, what I realized was, oh, if I could figure out how my professor thinks and what my professor wants, mm -hmm. I can get close to perfection. And so the root, the, the root cause for me is, yeah, there's some measuring stick, which is grading me that's out there. And if I can learn enough about the measuring stick and hone it to the measuring sticks preferences, then I will be rewarded, which even for some areas of life that works for, but more frequently when we're, when we're out in complex domains, when we're out as entrepreneurs, creators doing our own thing, that measuring stick doesn't fucking exist. And then suddenly I'm all tied up trying to cater to something outside of me that doesn't exist and, and no longer in, no longer working on creating what I want to create. I'm noticing mm. now we're kind of far from the original question, but this is how I kind of see this where perfection, perfectionism unfolds and why it's so evergreen and feels so ever present for folks. Well, but I don't, I don't think we are away from the question. Cause like you bring up a super good point with like, basically you all can tell me on the actual math terms, but like a zero to 100 scale is, is confined, right? There, there's not anything more than that, right? Occasionally you get like a bonus point or some shit, but you know exactly what you need to do to get a quote unquote perfect score. It's very linear, <clears throat> but the real world is open-ended, right? There, there, there's no like getting a hundred percent in business because you can always make more in business. You can always do a new thing have a bigger impact, you know, have your chase higher revenue, or you're, that is also going on while you're having all these interpersonal relationships and you're trying to be perfect there. You're trying to get validation from there and you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that. You're trying to learn, right? None of these are on a linear zero to 100 scale of if I read these 10 business books, I will get a hundred percent in, in building my business. Like that doesn't exist. So we're all like, we are, trained originally on this zero to 100 way of thinking. And that is how you define perf perfect, right? But then you get out into the quote unquote real world and you realize life and, and business in the real world aren't on a zero to 100 scale, but that is what you've trained. That's what you've optimized to conceive of the world through that lens of zero to 100. But all of a sudden that lens, all those skills are all of those just way of looking at the world are no longer relevant. And what was once adaptive has become maladaptive because you're chasing 100 in a world where 100 doesn't exist. I think that's a really good point, Corey. And I think that's like, really, I want like, that's ugh, hold it because I do think there's this concept of perfectionism. It like being perfect is achievable when we're on the stagnant contained space but in, in real life, and if we couple this with when we were talking about a rival fallacy, it's like, it, it, it just isn't, right? Like my definition of success is going to constantly change. My definition of success might 
be different than yours. My definition of success has different restrictions and constraints. And so when I think about perfectionism, one of the things that I think is really interesting and, and it has a little bit of dissonance that we've experienced, it kind of has to do with the real self versus ideal self that you mentioned, Corey, is, is also social media. Like, I, I just think it's important to highlight that when I think about it, this, the curated experience that we deliver outside of our universal selves also creates a lot of that dissonance because we don't have opportunities to have these open, vulnerable, authentic discussions around how tricky things really are, right? Instead, we just announce on LinkedIn that we've accepted a new role, but behind the scenes, you don't know what it took to get there. Or there's this element of feeling of, of overnight success, which in this group, we're all like overnight success is like total fucking bullshit. But that's still the feeling you get or in the world of like the mom influencers, you know, I'm supposed to have a child who's like perfectly dressed all the time. And also my house is going to be perfect. And also I'm going to make her like a little bento box that has like animal shaped homemade. It's just insane. And so what happens there is that you start to recognize that the, the measurement of what is success or the measurement of what is good is obviously unattainable because not only are there so many options and so many ideas and so many thoughts around what good looks like? None of them demonstrate also the behind the scenes of what's happening in order to get what that looks like. And you're stuck in this space of, you know, constantly trying to keep up with something that we don't even fully understand. Yeah. What's the point that really was resonating with me before. And you repeated it, Ricky too, is perfectionism always assumes a ruler right? It always assumes an arbitrary ruler. So even with this mom thing, having a perfect, being a perfect mom means having a perfectly dressed kid. Why is that the, a measuring stick for motherhood, having a clean house? And, and you can apply this to anything, to creatorhood, to, to leadership. Perfectionism often assumes a ruler, oftentimes an internalized ruler. Again, go back to school. We didn't define the zero to 100 ruler. We took it from somebody else. It's very mm -hmm. frequent to perfectionism. With a social media case, it might not even be a ruler that I care about, except for when I'm looking at someone else's social media post. Or more frequently with leaders, it may be I've internalized these rulers from the culture without realizing it, I'm projecting them. And frequently for me, why it's so evergreen is uh, there's a little thing that happened in that early game of trying to get the 100, trying to get the 100 for many of us, myself included, which is I started to peg my value as a person on getting the 100. And so now the actual core root for a lot of the times where I see of maladaptive perfectionism is I am assuming I am not worthy unless I can hit perfection and I'm going out looking everywhere. I'm trying to make the piece I'm writing perfect. I'm trying to be a perfect leader. I'm trying to have a perfect product launch and I lose all rationality because I need to do that to prove something about me rather than achieve my mission or be in service of the people I want to be in service of. That's super interesting. Cause like, well, two things, one, it isn't even just that like we take that ruler from others, that ruler is imposed upon us our entire lives and is, is all we know. Right. But the other thing, like <clears throat> a lot of like smart kids in public school, like grade school, a lot of times they really struggle in college not because they're not smart because clearly they are, but because they weren't disciplined and they attached their self-worth 
to their test results or their grades. So I am naturally smart. So as I go through grade school, it's pretty effortless. I don't have to develop all these skills. Things just kind of come to me, right? They're given to me basically. And then I think, oh, I have grown up my entire life being showered with all of this positive attention and these accolades and people telling me how smart and how special I am backed up by my grades. But then I go to college or I go to a job or I become an entrepreneur, all these other things that are more open-ended and require a different skill set that I haven't cultivated, but I'm still attaching my self-worth and just my, my, my value to the world and as a human to this, this number, to this letter that I'm getting, all of a sudden I'm fucked. I'm, I'm riddled with anxiety. I'm, I'm doing all kinds of harmful shit to myself, you know, trying to, that's why, you know, Adderall and all these other black market shit in colleges, all of these things are rooted in this idea of my self-worth is dictated <clears throat> by this number or this letter that I achieve. If I don't achieve it, I'm not perfect. I have to be perfect. And I think that that's, it's, it's a really different skill set. I think it's a really different skill set to understand the concept of progress over perfection, right? I'm going to try things. I'm going to learn like also the idea of like cultivating curiosity versus attaining perfectionism is, is very difficult. You know, if we enter a new space or a, I still remember being in a class and showing up and I was so focused on ensuring that I got a good grade that I didn't even really understand what we were learning, right? Because my, my goals were out of alignment with what was I trying to understand and learn from the conversations and from the lectures and lessons. And I think that that hangs out with us. I think it stays with us because I think there's this, a, there's a desire for control. To me, a lot of times perfectionism has to do with control, right? It's the desire of controlling the outcome being prepared for and knowing that you're going to quote unquote, do it well, know that it's going to be okay, know that you're going to succeed. And in real life, it, it's just not possible. We don't know. We don't have control over everything. Right. And so it's a defense mechanism that we've created that we say, well, if I study really hard and I get good grades, then I'm going to have a great job and everything's going to be fine. Spoiler alert. There's just a shit more that happens in our lives and in our careers and in our relationships that it, it's just a lot messier is the way that I think about it. And perfectionism is our desire to avoid mess. But we don't control the outcome. But perfectionism tricks us into thinking we can. I think one of my favorite learnings about our brains was the fact that like something that our brains like to do is self-sabotage for a negative outcome, because then you can at least anticipate and control the outcome, which I thought was so interesting. It's like perfectionism at its worst is this idea, you know, we've all, I don't know if you guys have, we've all experienced this in some capacity that you're like, Oh, let's say I'm going to do this thing, but you don't put all of your effort into it or you don't really try and it's sort of because then if it fails and when it fails, because you didn't really try, you can be like, oh, well, like I didn't really try. Have you had this experience? And that's, that's the thing that I always think is so interesting is that oftentimes like this, this flip side of desire for control results in 
sabotaging the actual experience because that desire for control is so strong that I'd rather control and, and receive an expected negative outcome than to not know what's going to happen. I notice I'm wanting to get more specific with perfectionism and how it shows up. Let's do, can we talk about how it shows up with our clients or ourselves? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it'd be nice to, cause we, we have Justin, this. I'm okay. running this, this set. <laughs> Well, I, that's I have I a plan for say. how this is going to go and I have controls in place. I'm just kidding. Yes. But then the episode won't be perfect. Fucking <laughs> 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 with um, you. Yeah. So I'm just curious. Like, great. Well, we, we've abstractly defined perfectionism. We've talked about some of the roots of it. And I just notice for here, I'm like, okay, how does it actually show up for folks? Cause I think that's going to help people try it on and start, start to help us actually unpeel and get tactical, practical. I'll go first. A uh, couple ways that it shows up is exactly what I just described. This self-sabotage metric. Like I've seen, and I've had clients who sort of rather than putting their all in, they sort of do this half-assed version, right? So I've seen people not really commit and it's ultimately for a control and outcome. I think one of the main ways that I see, especially with the folks that I work with is avoiding discomfort. So rather than taking a risk or a calculated risk, they ultimately would decide not to do this thing because they can't control for the outcomes. They aren't sure if they're going to do it really well. So that's like one of the number one things that I see happen with a lot of the folks that I work with, that they avoid taking action because they're so concerned that the action that they take won't be good or won't be good enough based on their own terms. I, before we got into this conversation, I went researching because I was like, oh, is this actually a, um, a diagnosable thing? And it's, it's not. It's sort of like a culmination of potential other diagnoses like OCD or anxiety. And so it, the most that I often see it with the folks that I'm working with, it's, it's around controls, which is like, I don't, I'm not going to do this because I don't know if it's going to go well. And it's very fear-based and anxiety-based that's the number one way that I see it show with my folks. So for a lot of the people I work with, some of them believe that they have succeeded because of their perfectionism. When in reality, they have succeeded despite their perfectionism. Because a lot of people are like, I, I, this is all I've known. This drives me forward. This makes me have a super high bar for quality for myself and, and, and the people I work with and the work that I do. If I got rid of my perfectionism, I would be getting rid of my main superpower or advantage. So helping them learn to see like, look, perfectionism by definition is when it becomes maladaptive. How can we preserve that ambition, that drive, that discipline, work ethic, whatever, and high bar but keep it from crossing the line into unrealistic expectations, right? That is probably the, the hardest sell I have to do sometimes is like, look, I'm, I know you're attributing all your success to your perfectionism, but it's actually getting in your way. And here's why here is a better, healthier, much more adaptive way to look at it and preserve all of the, the good things while mitigating the downsides. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of my people in two buckets right now. Like I, I have a bucket of kind of solopreneurs or people that work for themselves. And then the bucket of leaders 
one of, uh, frankly, I think a lot of the times a global thing is if you're struggling with burnout, frequently that will be tied to perfectionism. Frequently burnout for me, and we could, we'll, we probably will eventually do a whole episode on burnout. Um, but burnout is coming from, I am striving for an unattainable standard and cannot let go. And I am mentally and emotionally exhausting myself in the striving for that. And that is a hallmark. If somebody is, is burning themselves out relentlessly, there's probably a, at least a streak of perfectionism in that. For solopreneurs, for people that work for themselves, yeah, for me, it's almost always uh, an avoidance to ship the final project or the final product, right? It is, they've hit a point, and I'm gonna briefly, briefly step out of their lens for a moment. They've hit the point where if you were to really ask them, what's the point of this, right? So I, I've worked with like a music producer and he would say, well, the point of this is to have the client be happy with the song. They're way past the threshold of the client being happy with the song. Or somebody who's working on software or, um, a marketing plan for their, their solo software. It's like, well, I'm want to hit the point where I can start to experiment and see if some customers have hit. They're way past that point. They're no longer optimizing for what they're really after from a mission standpoint. And again, they're optimizing for something else. Uh, I, I really want to have, I want to remove all risk from people not liking this or I Again, there's there's a, a sense of not enoughness here, and I'm terrified that this will be met with negative feedback. Really, yeah, perfectionism for me, there's a streak of it. If I'm trying to remove all risk from what I'm trying to do because that risk would echo back at me in a sense of lack of control, lack of approval, lack of enoughness. So procrastination, avoidance, huge hallmarks. And leaders and founders – yeah, Ricky, I see one thing very similar to you, which is there's an avoidance of even getting started on hard things because there's a, I don't even know how to get started. So how could I possibly be good at this? How could I possibly be good enough? And that's a really vicious, vicious cycle that especially people who are used to being at the top of their game for a long time, myself included, starting something new and being the phase of, I suck at this. I don't even know how to possibly be good at this is a very painful thing and it's very hard and a lot of top performers again including myself struggle with that let's go in alone at the beginning and just suck at something for a bit and i mentioned this earlier but the second thing that can come up with leaders that's a sign of perfectionism is um just a, a big relational tax with the people that they're working with like the, a, a leader mired in perfectionism Oftentimes, again, they, they don't even know the clarity of their goal because they're looking to meet some other unmet need with the product launch or whatever. And therefore, their team can't possibly have clarity on it because they don't even really know what they're looking for. And suddenly, they're driving their team for an unclear end, usually in a kind of disempowering way because they're in a sense of fear and scarcity of, oh my God, if we don't get this, it's going to be a problem. And that echoes out into relational attacks with peers with employees, with the people around them. And so, yeah, I would say hallmarks there as a leader is, do I, do I really have a clarity of goal or is that goal post relentlessly moving? Is the clarity of goal anchored to the people I'm trying to serve, I'm trying to build things for, or am I looking to create something in here? Am I looking to fulfill an unmet personal need? Yeah, period. 
I thought there might have been more, but there wasn't. I finished it. <laughs> Ricky, what are your thoughts? I think the thing that I'm that I'm toying with in my head right now, of course, because I'm like jumping to okay. So, like, what do we do with with folks in this space? And I think let's jump there, baby. That, that as we were talking, there was there's two processes. I have like a whole list of things that we can talk about in terms, and I'm sure we all do have things that we try. But in terms of like restructuring our thinking, there are two areas that I always wish that we could like pull from, um, which is the creative process. Understanding, you know, there's a, there's a great book about the Pixar creative process and they kind of talk about the fact that it has this overarching structure, but there's always a moment in the middle that you're like, I don't know, fucking know what's going on. And it's not that they're so special or so much more talented. It's rather that they're more comfortable with the discomfort of knowing this is a process. It's going to be messy. We're going to land somewhere and we're going to figure it out as we go. And they're more comfortable with the discomfort in the process. So that's like one of the creative processes that I think about when we are trying to enjoy perfectionism in the same way that like the scientific process exists right? There's these, there's these spaces that in our lives that we need to try things in order to learn things. And I always think of, I had a really awesome client who I loved and had some perfectionist tendencies. And I remember one of the things that we talked about, which is done is better than perfect, right? Because they were really struggling to actually take action. And I still remember we had them put it on a post-it note. And when they wrote it, they said, oh, it looks like Dane. Dane is better than perfect. Like it didn't even look right. And they were like, perfect. I'll put it up. And like, they were like, yes, Dane is better than perfect. Like that wasn't even. And so there's this around create creative process or the scientific hypothesis is this idea of cultivating and curating curiosity and developing thoughtful tests so that we can actually gain learnings rather than continue to move a goalpost in terms of like, oh, this is what success looks like. And I, and I'll, I'll know it when I see it. So creative process and scientific process. Those were like two, I was starting to think about like, where are the spaces that we buck up and push against the idea of perfection? But we can talk more about what do you, what do y'all do when you have someone who comes to you with these perfectionism tendencies? What you do, what you doing with them? I have, kind of a cognitive approach that you can look at and then there's also more of an embodied emotional approach which can also be cognitive but i think it puts you a little more in your feels um cognitive approach i'm, I'm gonna guess Corey, that you have some similar shit to this i'm curious to see what you whip out the, the first question that i would ask and that i would will and do ask myself is um what do you mean by perfect right or what do you mean by right or what do you mean by good enough like actually, because because one of the ways this gets us is we have an amorphous, ever moving definition that's not pegged to anything. As and as a first step, the pause and go. Well, what are you actually striving for? When would you have a sense that this thing is done? And pause and be honest with yourself about that. Like make yourself peg it down. When would this actually be good enough? When would you? Or if you're avoiding avoiding getting into action around something, is when would you actually be ready for action? Because what's going to happen is you're going to realize you have to get into action to be ready for action. The second question that I would have you ask yourself is once you have that pinned down is what do I imagine I would have were I to achieve that perfection? 
And I'm thinking here of a couple clients who that example before where it's clearly past a sense of doneness for the people that you're serving, right? Your clients are going to be more than happy with it. You just keep going. The article's more than good enough to sh- uh, ship out to your newsletter and have them get it. And so what, are, what do you really think you're going to get from getting this perfection? Because it's probably not the, 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 the stated reason for why you're doing this, right? Presumably, you're writing this newsletter as a creator to, to create value for your email list. And you're, you're here. You're going to get something else. Well, I want all these people on my newsletter to love me. I want this client to think I'm the greatest person ever. And that oftentimes people get there. I just want these people to be so over the moon that they love me. And it's like, you do, will you actually get the thing that you're trying to get by making this perfect? Because normally it's not. You're trying to replace something else. And so starting to pin that down can do a lot. And then the last thing, right? So now we've gotten honest about what's going on actually painting a picture of, well, what are the costs of this current perfectionism, right? Because you see what you're going after. You've probably now seen that that's not actually the target and getting real clear of like, well, what are the costs of it? Well, I'm burning myself out. I'm exhausting myself. The work quality is not actually that good. It's costing me all these things. And actually just give yourself a moment to, to pin down, here's the pattern I'm, I'm in. Here's what I'm striving for. Here's what I actually want. And here's what the cost of being that. And just let yourself sit in the reality of the pattern. That's the cognitive approach. Do we want the emotional approach now or do we want to pin it over to Corey and we can, this was just a little appetizer for the main entree. No, go ahead. Main entree, please. All right, I'll keep going. Um, Yeah, I think emotionally, again, as I felt through perfectionism, I make up that a lot of this is again, pegged to self-worth for a lot of people. And so one question, just ask yourself uh, head on is, am I pegging my self-worth to the performance of this thing, right? Is this actually about what I'm working on or is this me trying to prove something about me? And let yourself be really honest about that because frequently the perfectionism trap is I'm trying to prove something about me here. And once you felt into that, I think it can be really useful to actually explore, well, then what is good enough on two axes? What is actually good enough for the stated goal of the thing that I'm working on? Right? So that's that's kind of the, the easier one. The harder one, which you may need a therapist or a coach or some deeper work for this, is what is good enough for me? Right? Like, how do I actually cultivate a sense of good enough separate from the things that I'm working on? Because people will spend their whole lives and career trying to prove that they're good enough and do great work, but it's not where you get it from. It's not, it's not where it comes from. And there's one point that Corey held earlier, which is Corey calls it a, what I think I wrote it down from before, a dialectic. I would call it a polarity, which is, Explore holding the polarity that what you currently have is good enough and it can be better because most people that that thing is diametrically opposed. They can't be true. And the reality is you can have both. Like I want this podcast to be amazing. I want it to have more listeners. I want it to, to grow. We literally were talking about this very recently about the growth strategy. And while seeing that all, there's more here, I can also hold on to the reality that it's good enough as is. And suddenly I'm out of perfectionism and oriented toward what I have and where I want to be going. Because perfectionism really, it's like I'm off in fantasy land. I'm off in ideals. I'm, I'm off somewhere else. And it can be really helpful to come back into reality around these things. I agree with all that. 
Um, for me, you know, it's always kind of meta because I am a creator and one of the things I do is coach other creators. And the example I usually give people is I'm not proud of anything I've published because all I can see is it's imperfection, right? There's this whole idea of taste develops before skill. So everybody gets to the point where you're good enough to realize how much you suck, but not good enough to be better. <laughs> and that is just this, the state I perpetually live in. Like every time I write something, I'm like, fuck, I know this could be so much better, but I am just not good enough. And I'm like, well, if this, this person would write this, what would it look like differently? Right. And I'm like, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not there. Right. So I'm not proud of anything I, I've, I've published because it is imperfect, but I am proud that I hit publish despite its imperfection. Right. So learning to take pride in the process rather than the outcome, right. Learning to compare yourself to your current self rather than your ideal self, because a question that has been a huge unlock for me over the years is I don't ask, can this be better? I ask, is this as good as I can make it today? Because tomorrow I will hopefully be more skilled, more knowledgeable, more insightful than I am today. But tomorrow ain't here. Today, because I have a deadline, I have imposed a deadline to publish. Is this as good as I can make it today? If the answer is no, well, that is within my control. I will, you know, improve it and then publish it. But if my answer is yes, it doesn't matter if I could make it better tomorrow. Today is when I said I would ship the thing. So that's been a huge unlock for me because that allows me to set my expectations within reality rather than letting it cross over into that maladaptive territory of always comparing my current reality to my idealized future perfect self, which is never going to be reality. Right. Those are usually the things that, that I start with. And then just another question, depending on the, the individual I'll ask is who are you seeking validation from? Are you seeking to validate yourself or are you seeking validation from others through your work? Because then if that's the case, well, that goes down a different line of, of, of coaching thought and things, right? I'm like, well, how can you cultivate more intrinsically validating you know, mindsets? How can you do more you know, intrinsically rewarding, motivating work, that sort of thing, rather than always chasing this external extrinsic validation and things? That's usually the, the directions I go. I want to hammer in on, Corey, this point you've made around comparison is so powerful. I, I've told you all the story, but I'll, I want to share with everyone listening. I actually, so I go back and listen to the podcast as they release. We listen, we, we are like six months ahead of whatever the release schedule we, at, at the time, at least of recording this. And I went back in an imposter syndrome. You talked about this upward, downward social comparison, which is not how I thought about imposter syndrome at all. Ricky, you also had a, a bomb in the imposter syndrome episode that was very useful for me. Um, but, you know, I, I will even struggle with this as a coach, right? With sometimes having imposter syndrome or perfectionism as a coach. And one thing I realized is I have been going through this training program this year with people who've been coaches for like decades, decades. In my mind, wanting to be the best, found myself naturally comparing myself to them. And I listened to this, that, that episode of the podcast. And I was like, 
that's fucking insane for, I've been doing this for, you know, less than half a decade, a little bit more because it's due to my career, but I'm beating myself up because I'm not as capable as sure what I'm striving to be, which is this person who's now in their 50s, 60s, 70s, who's been coaching for decades. But I'm, I'm hampering my ability to be in my own growth process and my own ability to do work because I'm making myself wrong for not being people who've been doing this for decades, not having that skill level. And so I really just encourage double clicking around comparison and Ricky, the point you made, which is expectations for yourself. And are they realistic and fair expectations that you're holding for yourself? I think it also, and Gwari, you said this well, is the, 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 the differentiation between like taste and skill too, right? And you're both kind of hinting at this is this idea of, are my expectations out of alignment because of the comparison that I am placing? And should I reevaluate that? There's like this component of recognizing the good enough, like the, this understanding that my expectations are too high. If I'm trying to meet this person who has like four decades of experience or has the, there's 17 years further in their business, or they have these kinds of secret skill sets that I don't currently yet have. And I think that's, that's really helpful. And it, everything that the two of you have said so far, I think is really helpful. I think the ones that come up for me is because so often I have found that the perfectionism tendencies in the folks that I work with result in inaction. That's like one of the, the most common things that I've seen with individuals is that they just don't do something. So a lot of that, is, a lot of the work that we're going to hang out with is first of all, trying to investigate the fear, right? Where's the blocker coming from? Where are the moments that this shows up for you? What is this protecting you from? You know, what are you trying to avoid by not doing this thing? And then switching into what's the cost of inaction? You know, what does it mean? What does it mean? Like if we never get started, there's a beautiful Chinese proverb that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. It's like, you know, we're in this space now. What can you, what can you do? And then a lot of it is injecting play. Because when I think about the scientific process and the creative process, there's this idea of, well, how can you make this a little bit lighter with a little bit more brevity, right? Like when I, and sometimes that looks like giving yourself a little challenge, like maybe Corey, you were talking about deadlines and I need to send this and I can't just sit on it for a long time. That can help. Sometimes it's about extrapolating what's the worst that could happen. You know, what's the worst that could happen? You write one bad fucking newsletter, someone unsubscribes, you'll be fine. Relax. And so starting to take a little bit of the air out of it, you know, like it just gets filled. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and, and mon monumentous. And then you can just remove some of the air by being like, what's the worst that could happen? And like, how can we make this a little bit smaller? How can we make this a little bit more fun? And I think one of the things that comes up with a lot of the folks that I talk to, who, especially those who are entrepreneurs or run their own business, or they're trying to decide if they want to investigate something is this idea. I call it popping the bubble. A lot of us really love to hang out in the motion and the research and the imagination of what could be and the expectation of the celebration of when you've reached this pinnacle space and therefore we can't take action. You're building a bubble. You're building this little bubble that's not real. So let's fucking pop it and find out. 
you know, I've talked to folks who are like, all I want is this, this is what I want my career to be, but they don't know what that looks like. They don't know what that means. Like, or I'm going to run this business and it's going to be amazing, but they've never run that kind of business. They've never even started it. And then when you start to get into the details, you're like, oh, this is hard. And so I think there's a, there can be something very enjoyable about recognizing where perfectionism shows up for you and kind of what fears or avoidant measures you're, you're handling, getting a little curious about it, injecting some play and finding, you know, the support measures and the support and, and what you need. How can we get this done? What do we need in order to actually take action and move forward? I, I love this point you're making about fear, Ricky. I love the point about play too. I actually want to pull back from last week's episode, which is inner critic. One way I've seen people play with their, with perfectionism is to similar to the inner critic, find their inner perfectionist, like make this a person, a persona. And I, one of my favorite uses, I, I saw somebody play with this and they would, um, they would just grade everything. They, they would grade everything. And again, the idea here is to like be playful about it. And they'd be like, Oh, that, that was a C minus the best man. If you ship it like this, your, your bosses, they're going to hate you. They're going to think you're the worst person ever. You're going to get fired. You're going to lose your job. You can't ship it like that. And uh, I think the brilliance of this kind of play of letting your perfectionism out is exactly that. You can actually find the fear underneath the voice and kind of hold it lightly and be like, Oh, this is the game I'm playing. The game I'm playing is I'm, not I, I'm we're reworking this newsletter 15 times because I think that if I it, it's right now it's a C minus but I don't get it to an A plus I'm going to ship it and half of my newsletter subscribers are unsubscribed and nobody's ever going to subscribe again and every business that I ever try and launch in the future is never going to work because I don't have a good email list. You know, we're snowballing. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot. That, but that's often what's actually there. <laughs> yep. And so oh, it's yeah. like okay. That's loaded, but what's here? And is all that real? Is all that real? And if you can just play with it and hold it lightly frequently, I find that's that alone can help shift it. And I think that's a beautiful example because if, if you play with it a little lightly and, and you're sort of like, it, it helps you take action around. So like, what can I do? Have someone else read the fucking newsletter. Just go invite someone to go read the newsletter, right? And they read and they're like, it's pretty good. Oh, here's some pieces of feedback. And they're like, cool. At least when I know I send this out, one person has read it and thinks that it's actually pretty a-okay. Like it's, it's, I think it's also recognizing that perfectionism is also often a really insular, personal, private experience. And I think that when you start to play with what are the feels, what do you need in order to complete it? it starts to create a lot more opportunity around inviting in vulnerability, being authentic and trying things outside of your own internal snowball brain that is convinced that you're going to lose all of your subscribers and no one's ever going to want to work with you again. And you know, it's, that's not true. That point, Ricky, of it's an insular experience. Yes. There, there's an Alan Watts talk where he talks about feedback and perfectionism is like feedback. And by feedback, I mean, when you have a speaker that's pointing at a mic and if you put one little pitch in, it goes, and it gets louder and louder and louder. Oftentimes that's what perfectionism is like. It's I'm hyper self-conscious. I'm really inward. I'm really pointing at it and some ways to break out of it. Get outside of yourself. One is get somebody else's feedback on it. Two is again, re-anchor to what am I trying to achieve here? Who am I actually trying to serve? Because I'm making this all about me, making this all about me, which is again, very human experience, no problem. But if I make it about what this is actually for, 
then then how do I reorient to it? Pop the bubble. I like the bubble. We got anything else? Is this episode perfect? Has been the whole time. I knew it. I knew it. Do we have anything else to add? Any last minute perfect additions? I'll just say one more thing that we, we've touched on before, but the other the other big thing that I tend to talk about with perfectionism with clients and in my content and things is, yes, yeah, some people attribute their success to their perfectionism, but a lot of other people think perfectionism is their problem and it isn't, which is why I call bullshit on perfectionism. Typically, perfectionism serves the function to help you avoid something you're actually afraid of, right? Because perfectionism basically tells you don't hit publish, don't reach out to that person, don't ship that thing, don't do that thing, don't put yourself or your ideas out into the world. Because as soon as you, as long as you keep it in like the lab of, of you know, your little thought lab, it's just this like little fragile, little, you know, embryonic kind of thing, and you can keep it safe. But as soon as you put it out into the vicious, harsh world, all of a sudden, Every, everything's going to attack it and they're going to attack you because your self-worth is attached to this outcome of this thing. So, okay, well, I just, I have a high bar for quality. You're full of shit because everybody has a high bar for quality. Everybody expects a lot of themselves. The difference is you have set your bar so high, you can never reach it. And you say, until I reach it, I won't do the thing. That is why perfectionism is bullshit because it's just an excuse to avoid the thing you're actually afraid of. You're actually afraid of shipping it and getting ridicule or failing or succeeding and being, you know, warped by success. There are, are tons of, of fears on the other side of that. And the function perfectionism serves is to protect you and help you avoid risking any of those fears. But what it actually ends up doing is just keeping you supremely dissatisfied with your existence. Corey, as you were speaking, I had the thought, yeah, your, your problem isn't perfectionism. It's your unwillingness to be afraid. And I will not, it's not fear is your problem. Because when you're, when you're doing things that are ambitious that you care about, you will feel fear. Perfectly natural, right? Perfectionism is trying to chase you away from having the experience of feeling fear. And so it's your unwillingness to simply feel fear and be within in that fear that's driving the perfectionism to face the fear. I love when I think the show is done and then some fucking the like the best spicy nougat comes like and it's like, oh, I guess we're done now. And then it's like, oh, OK, Corey's got something delicious. I aim to please you with my spicy nuggets. I'm glad you were satisfied by them. I, I was very satisfied by them. <laughs> I can't right now. I cannot. Coming. I cannot. I think that's it, folks. I think we did it. Do y'all feel complete? I feel like this episode was perfect. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry if, if you listened and you realized you're in the camp of non-perfection. Um. um it's just you. That's fine. You're the only one. It's not us. It's you. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, for a minute there, 
I, you were speaking to the audience, I know, but I thought you were speaking to me, and it was like my worst fear was being made. Like, I, I felt uh, my insecure one coming up and being like, oh my god, it's happening right now. Just, so, it's just you, Justin. It's just you. You're, it's uh, None of us have this issue. You're the only one fucked up like this. Perfect. Uh, no clear answers where you'll confront your worst fears. Dun dun dun. Corey, take us out. Toodles. <laughs>